Well, good afternoon. It is 2 p.m. Saturday, February the 27th, and you're listening to Altitude Adjustment, the weekly show about people, politics, and professions. And I'm Leon Davis, one of your hosts. Coming up, uh, joining me will be Warren and Leonard, and we're going to go back over some stories that um, we've encountered previously. We're going to try to update what has happened or transpired since then. So you can join in the conversation, and we are about to do that now. This program is intended for mature audiences only. Altitude adjustment may contain language, images, or other content that some may find offensive. Your discretion is advised. Welcome to Altitude Adjustment. What's right, up? Jimmy. Thank you for joining Good us. Good afternoon. How are you guys doing? Good. Good. How about yourself? I am doing hey, great. Go. I'm ready to go. And getting better prepared for this today's show, there was a lot of uh, information I wanted to include um, that I'm not. And um, I was kind of really excited about doing this show. You know, a chance to, one of the things that I think is important. Uh, that we miss out in, in our traditional news is that um, after a year or two or after a story has been, you know, spotlighted or highlighted and makes the evening news, it then falls to the back pages uh, about the results or, you know, what has occurred. And a lot of times you have to actually do a search if you want to find the, the solution or resolution or what actually happened. So like, um, a while back, there was the officer who killed the guy or you know, killed the guy that lived in her building. She was on the wrong floor. And, right. you know, I, I think um, I had to look for the solution to that. Now, maybe, you know, other people were able to see it, but I, I didn't I had to find that solution. And so what I wanted to do with this segment was just kind of um, do a little bit of update, go back over some some of the stories that we had talked about and possibly, um, you know, mention what, what ha is currently happening. But let me first, um, before we get started with that, I wanted to make, let, you know, everyone know that coming up on uh, March the 20th, March the 20th, we have a, um, we have a show scheduled, uh, Tamina Watson, who is an immigration lawyer, She's going to come in and talk to us about immigration. And uh, in the process of booking her, um, she said, ask her any questions about uh, immigration. And she's prepared to answer those questions. So um, for shall. those of you out there, go ahead. And I shall. I, well, <laughs> there's a lot of things that I, I don't understand about immigration that I, I'm hoping she'll answer for us. Well, you know, it's highly political, first of all. Okay. It's one of those blue, red, red, blue, uh, left, right situations. And uh, yeah, I, I got questions too, because I'm an independent and I, I, I question both sides, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So she's going to come in on the 20th. Um, and, I, and I'm really looking forward to that, but I want to make sure uh, that, that we kind of... Um, 
mention that so that uh, we can whet people's appetites. Make sure you come back. Uh, there are a couple of things that um, I also wanted to mention. Um, one of the things that has concerned me about Joe Biden coming into office was that we would go back to politics as usual. So, um, Trump's rise was due to people uh, feeling like, you know, politics as usual wasn't serving us. In his first 30 days in office, um, they've opened uh, a temp shelter in Texas for the kids coming across the border. And they're having to, you know, explain why that's not going back to policies uh, that we've done before. And they're bombing in Syria. And their, their rationale for the bombing in Syria is that, you know, we need to do this so that they know that we're serious so that Iran comes and negotiates with us in good faith. So what do you think? You know, I mean, is it, you know, are we back to endless wars? Are we back into, you know, more armed conflicts? I don't know if well, we're going back to endless wars, but as far as uh, business as usual, I, I mean, Biden is a pretty much considered a centrist type of guy. And so uh, Obama was pretty much in the same lane, centrist, you know, so I don't know what's going to be different, you know, if you look at it from that standpoint. Okay. Well, I look at it from this standpoint. The uh, other political party has moved so far conservative and they keep believing and pushing forward things that are not based in reality. It won't be, from that standpoint, it won't be politics as usual. Biden was used, when he was in the Senate, it was about negotiating and getting things done. And during the end of his term as vice president, you had Mitch McConnell get to a leadership position and he's been there to obstruct and distract and slow down everything that wasn't put forth by his policy. As far as the bombing in Iran, what Iran was doing or what Iran is doing, if I'm to bleed the press reports, they are backing militias and groups that are shooting bombs at our embassies that are trying to hurt our troops and coalition troops that are over there. And Biden sent that. Uh, one of the things about bombing was he let them know that, hey, we're not like Donald Trump. We're going to do what's necessary to protect our people. If you put them in danger, we're going to come after you. Yeah, but and that's, that's kind of big. That's what I thought. That's kind of been, um, our, that's been the strategy. So, so we're we're in Syria. We're over in Syria. We're over in Iran, and they use bombs as a form of communication. Um, you know, 
you, you're constantly seeing, you know, something was, was bombed and there was a, a, uh, um, I, I'm, the term is skip me, escape me real quick, but you know, where they, they blow themselves up, they martyred them mm -hmm. to, to bring forth an issue. So, so bombings are going to happen. Bombings in yeah. that area are going to happen. Yeah. And if we continue to have a policy of it, you bomb me, I'm going to bomb you. You know, we're going to be back in the same situation. It's always using force. I understand. Don't get me wrong. I fully understand that if someone has shown a propensity to try to blow you up, you have a right to defend yourself and you should. I'm just saying it seems like it's a possibility for us to slide back into that old, let's use force to achieve what we want to achieve. Because as you mentioned, Biden said when he went in, um, we want to negotiate. We want to um, use diplomacy. And, you know, bombings in Syria don't seem like diplomacy so much as we will blow your ass back to the stone age unless you come to the table well <clears throat> when you look at that I, I remember it was back in the 70s when we had a secretary of state called henry kissinger and he subscribed to this thing called real politic which was uh, you needed military might behind your attempts to negotiate. Uh, you trying to negotiate with people that do uh, what you was talking about before, suicide bombers, mm -hmm. and that just believe that they need to destroy you they don't believe in, we'll, we'll negotiate with you to let you live and let us live under mutually agreeable terms that we got to destroy you. And you constantly attack because they shot in, if I'm to believe the press, they shot in an embassy a couple weeks ago, a US embassy. They shot some grenades and, and rockets at coalition troops which was not just U.S., but different countries sure. that are over there trying to keep peace in that region of the country. Uh, and they say the U.S. did diplomacy with the other countries, say, hey, should we take this action? Do we need to take this action? You know, what does it look like? And already some conservatives over here were starting to criticize Joe for not doing it. Uh, when they criticized Trump for not handling Russia, throwing our bounties on our troops in the Middle East, he ignored them and kept not doing it. Uh, and Joe said, no, this is what I'm going to take. So in certain terms, I think you're going to get business as usual because the other people don't want to play. It was, it's a challenge. It's a balancing When Trump come in and decides he's going to back out the Iran nuclear deal, and they went 
and they going and they trying to produce more nuclear weapons and stuff. And so you bring in a butthole who had no, who had no, really no sense of high government negotiations. He was supposedly this great businessman, but he didn't understand how to run the government. And by all indications of a lot of things he did, he wanted the job of president. He wants everybody to call him president, whatever, but he don't want to do the work. So and he didn't, and there was just so many times he didn't do the work, and that left us in a position. So 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 we have we we have a, a negotiated Iran deal. Um I don't know if the bombing became less prevalent after the signing of the Iran deal. What would I do know is that at least Iran was in a position where they were willing to talk about some things. Now, everything wasn't beautiful. Everything wasn't rosy. The Iran deal did not end completely end the tensions. What it did do was seem to have lessened some tensions. Now, Israel escalated their pushback against the deal um, for the duration of it. So they were always against it and they were escalating that. Um, so, so my thought is, is that I'm not comfortable that I have enough information to say that the, that the, uh, from my understanding, the Iran deal was at least suppressing some of the tensions in that area. And then, like you said, we got out of it. I don't know if, if the current actions were in response to, or, or a, a result of us backing out of that deal. And I think that that would be important to know. Would you agree? Yes, I agree. I agree. Uh, like I said, we just had, we had a lapse here. We had someone get in with the authority to mess stuff up, that's, and that's what he did, in my opinion. And we're going to go through a whole lot just to try to straighten up what he messed up. Uh, Iran, it was other belief, like Osama bin Laden and other other states in that area that Israel don't deserve to exist. They're Zionists, and our goal is to kill them and take them all out. And when you do that, you're going to, you're going to anger and rise the defense against the people that you want to take. And everybody in the world knows that the U.S. and Israel were friends. You mess with Israel, the U.S. is coming. And a few other countries got behind that, but you mess with Israel, the U.S. is coming. So if that's what you want to do, okay, you do it. And everybody knows uh, a war and tensions in that part of the world, it causes re re reverberations around the whole world. 
uh, like when you throw a pebble in the pond and it ripples out, that thing ripples around the whole world. Uh, so I'm agreeing with gonna... you, but you know, to, to bring peace to that, it's got to be a two-sided thing. It can't be the U.S. never do nothing and Iran gets to do whatever it wants to do. So Just wanna... my opinion, my opinion situation. So I'm going to put a pin in the idea that we're moving back towards the old uh, bomb till we get uh, peace and that we are actually making bigger strides towards diplomacy rather than military diplomacy. So I'm going to put a pin on that I'm, and, and, and I definitely want to visit. It's an ongoing story. Um, military force, the reason you have a military, the reason you have a military is that if you need one, um, you can use it. My concern is, is that we use it because we have it and that there's a difference there. A difference in using it because uh, using it because we need it, and using it because we have it. Yeah. So one other thing that happened uh, for locally, and I don't know if you guys knew this. Um, Rush Limbaugh, who is from Cape Girardeau, was buried here in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Buried at. Uh, Bell Fountain Cemetery, huh? I, I was I was saying with you, Bell Fountain Cemetery. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you you wear that? Yes, I was. I read that too. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought, saw it on the. I thought I I thought that was I thought that was quite interesting. Um, well, I don't interesting. Huh? Why so? Because it, St. Louis wasn't his home, and and as far as I could tell, he didn't spend significant time in St. Louis. So, so why would you bury him in St. Louis? What would be the reason for that? Yeah, I guess that's a family matter. Of somebody decided that, or unless he put it in his will, it's a good question. Yeah. So the the news story that I read didn't, you know, didn't mm-hmm. include a a reason for him being in St. You know, being buried in St. Louis. Yeah. Because Cape Girardeau is not. A, a stone's throw. That's a nice little ride. Yeah, that's about a four, yeah. four and a half hour drive from here. Yeah, from St. Louis. So to to for somebody who's you know been doing his radio show, where was he doing it from? Do you remember? Because he wasn't in I Cape. I forgot where he was living. Yeah. So wherever where he was, was living, but huh? I forgot what city he was living in, but they one of those radio people they put a radio station put a studio in his home he didn't have to get up to go to a radio station mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i forgot where he was living but the place where he spent some significant time in missouri other than his home was with in kansas city because he started off his career as some type of uh intern media intern with the kansas city royals mm-hmm. florida he fred says florida so my guess is, yeah, he was doing his show down in Florida. That that sounds familiar. Yeah, thanks for it. Um, and and just so we don't get too far away from uh, what we were talking about, Iran. Um, so Fred's comment was, uh, "That's their fight, it's not our fight." I he I think he would prefer we just get out of the Middle East and be done with it. 
and leave those people to themselves. Um, but as Leonard mentioned, you know, uh, it's like a, a rock in a pond. I just don't think that you can, you know, we, we've tried, we've tried that isolationism. That's how we got into World War II, wasn't it? We tried isolationism, World War I. Um, we tried leaving the, the world to themselves and saying, hey, that's not our business. And the next thing you know, we wind up, you know, fighting um, on soil that's not our soil. So, but at least for, uh, you know, uh, we got, got Fred's comments in there. Um, so the next, did you guys have a story that you wanted to talk about before we move on? No, I, I was just going to add, as long as uh, you have the same type of well, the relationship between the U.S. and Israel, we're never going to be separated from what's going on over there because uh, we feel compelled to defend them no matter what. And that's 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 a hotbed over there, you know? Right. Leonard said that. So I don't see peace coming over there. So 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 during World War Two. Um, Britain uh, created that influx of Jews into Palestine, into the into the, that area, into Israel, uh, and then they were the initial protection or barrier to keep those uh, people safe. And then somehow uh, the United States steps up and then becomes the principal support for that area, and. Right. So like you said, I, I agree. So all of our politics of, of surrounding Israel never is examining the situation and finding a, a, a solution. It's usually we're going to browbeat or we're going to um, make the situation about you will support the Israeli state as it stands unquestioningly or you're um, anti-Semite, and so we don't we don't examine issues. And I'm not saying um, that that's not what should happen. What I'm saying is that's how the conversation is going. And so you mentioned that that we're never going to have peace. I think we're going to have peace. It's it's we do have to have conversations. I just think we have to have conversations without accusations. Well, when we come to the Middle East, through the uh, conflict over there between the Arabs and uh, Israel, hmm? you see a short-term solution between the uh, Arabs and the Jews and Israel. So I'm gonna gonna I'm gonna put a pin in that. Let Leonard talk. Okay. And then I'll try to avoid that question when we get back from Leonard. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, we talking about the Middle East? What's the number one commodity over there? Is oil. And all these people in America, these multi-billionaires and people in the oil industry got their hands over there on that oil. And if we, what we've seen through the history of this country, they will use the military to support the rich folks. And as long as we got the American oil companies over there in that oil, putting their hand in that oil, getting money out of there, you can bet you we're going to be there. Okay, so I mean, go ahead. Were you were you were you done? Like one of the guys that used to work with me, his ex-wife was over there in the military, uh, doing the Gulf War, 
And she said that her unit, their basic job was guarding oil fields. So they was using American military to help guard oil fields. And, you know, so okay. it was, it was, so I think as long as you get that oil over there, that's what helps make that a hotbed region okay. as so, far as the world is concerned. Yeah. So, so, so Warren's question was, is there a short-term solution? Uh, and um, there's always short-term solutions. It's just a matter of, does that lead to a long-term solution? Um, at this particular point, the conflict has been going on for so long. And the, the idea of what is a solution has been so muddled because we haven't had conversations. What we've had is, this is what we should do. And we haven't taken into consideration all of the needs of the, of the uh, area that are, are going to be necessary for a permanent solution. So, so, so we, so to answer your question, I don't know. I don't know about a short-term solution. Um, and the only reason I'm optimistic about a long-term solution is because I believe people have the ability to overcome. So we can overcome a situation of long-term disturbance in the human condition. So eventually I believe that there can be a solution. What we can do short-term, um, I think is important that we at least start having honest conversations and, and instead of accusations. Mm -hmm. Okay, so do you think nukes have anything to do with uh, whether or not we can come to uh, any solutions long-term or short? Sure, sure. N nuclear, nuclear arsenals make people badasses. So if I think that I can blow you off the map, what is my incentive to negotiate? Exactly. And where are all our efforts um, concentrated right now? We want to control who has the nukes and who doesn't. Well, how does anything change? And that's and that's the the multi-million dollar question. <laughs> that's the multi-million dollar question. Is uh, concentrated on controlling how much power one guy has and we know the powers in the nukes and we know who we're trying to stop from getting them so they're going to be permanent underdogs militarily and you know how do you appease them if you always got your foot on their neck and knowing that you can bomb them off the earth if they go too far the the million dollar question you you're i mean you're hitting it on the head but you're not. A, please offer solutions. I, I, I'm, I'm tired of your questions. Can you give me some solutions? I see what you're saying. You're absolutely. So we, we've, we've had, we have this conversation with the Russians. We have this conversation with the, the Chinese about um, pro, nuclear proliferation. We want to draw down. We want to, uh, we want to eliminate as many nukes as possible. And then those nations that feel that um, I want to be a part of that conversation. I want to be a part of the world's conversation, realize, you know what? They'll talk to me if I got a nuke. 
<laughs> so what yeah. do they do? What what's their incentive? What what are we giving as an incentive? So the big guys have to say, look, we need to get rid of the nukes and appreciate each other's sovereignty. Because right now we don't appreciate each other's sovereignty. We've got we've got um, Russian hackers trying to pick the president of the United States. We've got American hackers trying to pick the the, the uh, president of Russia. That's not recognizing someone's sovereignty. Yeah, or I, Brazil or some other country. Or some other country. I understand that that uh, security is a uh, significant issue. It is a delicate issue. I get that. And so, and so some of the things that I'm going to say are going to be simplified because I'm not into presidential briefings to see, you know, uh, uh, to find out that uh, more than just some hacking of social media happened um, in the country. But from a layman's and I'm going to call myself a layman because I'm not receiving government briefings. As a layman, it, it seems simple to me. I don't try to force you to do something you don't want to do. You don't try to force me to do something I don't want to do. And then we try to find common ground where we can live together. Yeah. That's easier said than done. One of the problems I had when, uh, with this conversation was when you go look at the news sources, and you can even think about Tucker Carlson when you, when you when I bring this up. When, when you see when when the headlines say the Pentagon says this, so okay, this is what the Pentagon says. What about some independent news sources? Because a lot of folks just don't trust the government. Let's be real with that. Okay. How well, for the, people, the Pentagon, go ahead. Go ahead, man. For the people that don't trust the government, they're not going to trust anything. They, nothing you ever say that's a government source is going to be trusted. Now, you mentioned Tucker Carlson. He's not news. He's an opinion piece. And that's what was said in a court. That's what the, a judge did when uh, he lied on somebody and they sued Fox News. And Fox News brought that up. Well, he's not a a real journalist, he's just an opinion maker. And the judge let that go. Now, unless the rules change, what I remember about Fox News was they couldn't broadcast in Canada because Canada has a, has laws against stations like Fox News and these other right-wing stations that just give out right-wing information and don't tell the truth. Tucker has already been shown in the court of law that he's not a news reporter. He's an opinion. Uh, okay, so uh, so uh, so we're we're getting. So I've got a story on Tucker that I want to do a little bit later, but that's not. So the originally, okay. originally, um, we were talking about uh, the trust that people don't trust the government, um, and 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 so why was the government trust an issue, Warren? Oh, just. History. Those two articles we talked about earlier, the, the drugs uh, as a weapon against us, Cointech okay. Pro. Okay, so. Um, Tuskegee, apparently. 
experiment? I mean, how many things mm -hmm. did you bring up that would give you pause? Well, I, I think it, I think it had something to do with uh, uh, peace in the Middle East and um, nuclear proliferation and all those kinds of things. And so, um, so I've kind of lost track because we we went down a another rabbit hole. Yeah, but I mean, it's, I'm just speaking as when I was reading the article, the sources were government based, you know, military, the Pentagon. Gotcha. Okay. So there we go. A biased point of view. Okay, so, so, so trust um, in government issue. You know, I I don't want to get off into trust in the government. Um, that's a that's another I think another show. Uh, <laughs> um, and and but I I do think it is a piece of my original story about uh, the bombing in Syria uh, because. Uh, if you don't, if you, if, and cause Leonard mentioned it, you know, from what I've learned or from what I've seen, if those stories in the news are true, then this, this is how we, I want to react. And, and that's, that's part of where we are is, um, trust in our institutions, trust in government, trust in news, um, you know, uh, trust in other agencies to give you the trust in the, the medical community to give you the right information about COVID vaccines and things of that nature. So trust is a major, major um, connecting thread through everything that we have to encounter and everything that we do. And to make things better, trust has to be um, held on to and has to be held in high esteem. Without it, we get what we've got. And that is, you know, people wanting to overthrow a duly elected government. So um, COVID was one of the things that I wanted to cover. And um, Tucker Carson. So I'm going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, since we we had got close to the, the Tucker Carlson issue, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna beat my favorite horse. I know you care about the environment, and maybe you want to learn more about sustainability and climate action. Then join me on the Climate Conscious Podcast, where my guests and I discuss the issues of sustainability related to the Caribbean and beyond. Together, we'll explore practical solutions for managing our impact on the planet. Tune in every other Wednesday on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And follow me on Instagram at The Climate Conscious. Welcome to the so-called Oreos podcast, a podcast where Kia, Amari, Rachel, and Janae discuss all the awkwardness, hardship, and hilarity that comes along with society labeling you white on the inside and black on the outside, also known as an Oreo. Trying to mind my business and be black, that's basically about it. 
Through intimate conversation and candid interviews, we discuss everything from quote-unquote talking white. You talk the way, which I guess is supposed to be like you talk proper, and I usually think black people sound ghetto and uneducated. That's yeah, how that's I perceive when like you say too. you talk so what, white. you mean you don't speak Cubanics? Traveling while black. It opened my eyes to a lot of just the small privileges Americans have, and then it also opened my eyes to, as a person of color, how difficult it may be to go to another country. It was just a lot of blatant racism. Dating as a black woman. There's just something about the black woman who just really wants to support and see the black man thrive. And even if I'm not in a relationship with a black man, I'm still like, gonna root for them. I'm still rooting for them. I'm always gonna root for you. I'm always. And a whole lot more. I just love being black. So join us every other Tuesday for intellectual and funny conversations that will make you embrace your inner Oreo. I'm going to light your shit on fire. That's I'm going to tell your mama. What's up? <laughs> what, 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 what if his, Roberta, yo, son cheated on me. But you know some mama be like, well, that's what men do, so why are you so Exactly. No. Old-timey bullshit. Not, I ain't that, having that's it. That's not okay. Experience. I know you care about the... <laughs> <laughs> I always, I always forget that our trailer is the last one. <laughs> it's a, uh, okay. So anyway, um, so when I say my favorite whipping horse, um, I, I, I'm, I am, I am speechless. I am, I am almost speechless when it comes to this man. I, I, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna start here. I'm gonna start here. All right. So Leonard mentioned the, the lawsuit that um, he was being sued for defamation. And the judge in this story, this is CBS, judge tosses suit over Trump affair story uh, because uh, Tucker Carlson called this woman a liar and, you know, he impugned her integrity. Uh, and so the judge tosses the, the Trump affair suit after Fox News argues no reasonable viewer takes Tucker Carlson Seriously. The insider.com, Fox News, won a court case by persuasively arguing that no reasonable viewer takes Tucker Carlson seriously. Now, I want you to keep in mind, Tucker Carlson is the biggest draw over there. He gets the highest ratings at Fox News. NPR, you literally can't believe the facts Tucker Carlson tells you. So says Fox's lawyers. 
They argued this case in a court of law, which is the arbiter of truth and justice in a society of laws. And a lawyer went into court to say that a personality on a news, pro news station cannot be trusted, cannot be believed, is that anybody listening to him cannot reasonably expect to get the truth. And it's not that he afterwards, after the case was over, said, I was, I, I don't, I, I don't subscribe to that. I don't believe that the lawyer said and did the right thing. I disavow their defense of me. None of that. He accepted that. Why, huh? Why would he? And he so, <laughs> yeah, and so this, this came across, now it, it's edited, it, it's from his show, it's edited, I cut out a, a few pieces, I took some of the things, and, and I tried to keep it in context. So just know that the video is edited. I did try to keep it in context. And the video's out there if you want to if you want to see the video, and it's from one of his shows. Good evening and welcome to Tucker Carlson tonight. We spend an awful lot of time in the show night after night trying to explain what is happening to our country. And it's depressing a lot of the time because the answer is always the same. America is not rotten. It's a great place. The people who run it are rotten. So you've been betrayed by the people who lead you, and that's why things are so volatile. What you're looking at is a crisis of our institutions. Our institutions are corrupt. Some of them are collapsing. We say that a lot because it's true, but we should be more precise. Not all of our institutions are the same. Some of them are bad, some of them are awful. But looming above the rest is the worst of all, and that's the news media. They're the most corrupt. How corrupt is the news media? Imagine a drunken teenage border guard at the crossing between Togo and Burkina Faso, shaking you down at midnight as you pass through. The New York Times is much more corrupt than that. The media are more crooked than Jimmy Hoffa ever was. They're more dishonest than your average bribe-taking building inspector in Queens. They're more treacherous than the mafia. They make cops in Tijuana look trustworthy. Yes, the news media are profoundly dishonest. All of us lie from time to time. That's the human condition. But imagine if lying was your job. Imagine forcing yourself to tell lies all day about everything in ways that were so transparent and so outlandish that there is no way the people listening to you could possibly believe anything you said. I, I don't, I, this is, this is a court certified liar calling other people liars. I, I, I don't. Who, who was who filed the suit against them again? I have forgotten her name. Uh, it was it one. I forgot her name, but it was the woman who Donald Trump Donald Trump denies raping. Said he would never go near her because he's not her type. 
<clears throat> I mean, she's not his type. His type. And she's got she's got a civil suit against him. And now being the president, he's no longer the president. It goes forward because he tried to get the Department of Justice to step in and do away with the suit, and just said no. You can't do that. But Tucker Carlson. So he's getting a paycheck. He is the top rated show on a news well, number two. Huh? Han Sean, Sean Hannity is their number one. Okay. And he's another guy that I could have put a video together on, but mm -hmm. I didn't. I've also, uh, so, so anyway, he's part of another story, <laughs> but, um, but they, they collect a paycheck. Tucker's Carlson show on a nightly basis. I, I'm not talking about this one episode. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about on a nightly basis. Mm-hmm. This is foot in mouth crazy. So how do we have a healthy democracy when we're willing to pay people lots of money to be this crazy? It's the world we live in. Where we live, yeah. yeah. I mean, crazy, they, they make big money doing crazy things everywhere. They talk about how the right doesn't live in reality, and he helps perpetrate this alternate reality all the time. And that's what that was Trump going around saying that and doing that. That's what caused the January the 6th uprising. And unfortunately, we just, our law enforcement, don't want to really go after the people that did it. Most of these people that have been arrested were being charged. I was reading a story in there yesterday. They're getting charged with minor charges. They're not getting charged with major charges. You tried to overthrow a government. You tried to stop a constitutional process of verifying the election. And I know like the Republicans, Mitch McConnell and whatever, wanted to stop and stall trying to get a 911 commission to see what happened. And it came out this week that some of the Republican lawmakers was giving these insurrectionists tours of the White House. I mean, tours of the, the Capitol the day before they came and stormed it. But it's just what our law enforcement in this country see. Like last summer when you had the Black Lives Matters, when they were going through DC, you saw all these people in military gear with automatic weapons waiting to shoot and gun people down. And when the Trump sent the angry mob, we don't have the same thing. We got just some police officers with nine millimeters. And, you know, where was, where was the security on that? And they, and you know, the Republicans always claim they're the law and order party. They killed 
one police officer out there. And it took some people who, who saw the guy with bear spray spraying police. And the FBI had to be told a couple of times before they went and, and, and went after this guy and singled him out. So okay, so I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna got. I understand that. So I'm so we only got a few minutes to go, and I want to try to get to this uh, COVID nineteen because uh, you know part of part of what we're trying to do in this show was you know go back and look at some news stories and bring them a little current. Um, okay. So I'm gonna um, show this video real quick, and then we'll be back on the other side. The week before last, the head of the Centers for Disease Control, Dr. Redfield, said it would be summer before the vaccine would become generally available to the public. You said that he was confused and mistaken. Those were your two words. Yeah. But Dr. Slowey, the head of your operation, Warp Speed, has said exactly the same thing. Are they both wrong? Well, I've spoken to the companies and we can have it a lot sooner. It's a very political thing because people like this would rather make it political than save lives. God. This man is talking about a vaccine. Every serious, every serious company is talking about maybe having a vaccine done by the end of the year. But the distribution of that Colonel, sometime beginning or the middle of next year to get it out if we get the vaccine and pray God we will. Pray God we Mr. will. Mr. Vice President. Okay, so so a couple of things that that I thought was important about this clip. One was, and this was obviously during the uh, election, uh, twenty twenty. <laughs> so so in 2019 was our first introduction to the covid virus uh we, we went into lockdown in 2019 um during this clip they talked about um when the vaccine would be ready and they were both correct that the virus, that the vaccine would be ready at the end of the year, which it it did show up. Um, there was some pessimistic views and some optimistic views about it, but but they were both correct. Um, and even though we are having a lot of people vaccinated, um, the full uh, I, what I want to say the uh, oh. I need to get this up here for you. Okay, so so testing. Um, one of the things that uh, um, Biden was talking about was a million vaccines a day, and I don't think we've reached that. But they're they're getting closer. They're working, you know, doing a better job of uh, you know getting more people vaccinated. Um. So, so looking back at the original projections, and, and that's what I tried to do. I tried to uh, go back and find the original projections for um, the COVID-19. Because you, you remember there was a big, you know, we, we're at, at first they were anticipating some 2 million deaths in the United States. Um, 
So we are standing at 510,000. Um, there is a, and you can see the numbers behind us, uh, 28 and a half million people infected is what they're, they're estimating that, um, and, and, and I'm, I'm looking at this and I realize you know, it can be considered heartless to not see that 510,000 as significant, and I do. Every one of those deaths is heart-wrenching. Um, so it's difficult, I think, to have a, a conversation um, about the rate of severity of the deaths. Um, but but that was the original anticipation of two and a half million. Fortunately, we haven't we haven't gotten there. But five hundred and ten thousand plus, I think it's a little more than that. Uh, but that's that's a significant number, and we didn't take that seriously. And you made mention of Sean Hannity. Mm -hmm. Sean Hannity at uh, one year ago today talked about how there was absolutely zero deaths from COVID at the time. So in one year's time, we've lost 510,000. It wasn't the 2 million that was, a, it was possibly projected. And that was probably a possible number. Um, but 510,000 deaths because we didn't, we didn't take it seriously enough. We didn't Correct. act. Go ahead. No, I was going to say our president at the time, the former guy, as Joe Biden likes to call him, was constantly calling it a hoax. It, it, it will happen by the summertime. It would mysteriously disappear. The heat will take it away. People go drink bleach and disinfect it and all that. And he did not move the way Biden is moving. So more people are getting shots in their arms uh, and what have you. So we, so we have so so there there seems to be at this particular point and I, I guess i can eliminate the word seems there is a difference in our approach to this and um what we can expect as uh, a result but we're gonna we're gonna um, eventually come back and have to um, look back at you know where where we were where we were when it started and where things end up because we're not at the end of it yet uh, there are still some dire projections and everybody still has to take this seriously i don't want to um, try to minimize that because there are a lot of people working extremely hard to make sure people understand the severity of the situation um there has been you know people calling into question the vaccine um because of the, the quick turnaround time for the fact that they're, uh, they don't trust vaccines, which is the trust issue that we have addressed uh, earlier in the conversation. There's uh, 
you know, those people who don't trust the government, don't trust the, the medical community, don't trust the news. Um, and, and that could put other people at risk that puts more people in our society at risk. And so one of the things that is an issue for me is how do we build that trust? That's a really good well, question. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. You keep educating. You keep trying to encourage people. Some people have got it set in their mind. They're not going to trust it. They're not going to trust it. Uh, like I saw part of the interview that Al uh Reverend Al is gonna do with uh with the vice president this today on Politics Nation on MSNBC. And she said by right we've earned, especially in the minority communities, our skepticism. But this is not one to be a skeptic to be a skeptic on. We need this to save lives. And she mentioned, you know, the Tuskegee experiment, for example. And uh, Al, Reverend Al Sharpton, that's me. Reverend Al Sharpton mentioned a couple others in our history. Um, the way Donald Trump has went so he can win an election, he's brought a whole lot of mistrust and discontent for the government. So a lot of people, no matter what they see, they're going to go the same way and believe what they've been believing. So I don't know how you overcome that. But you keep trying to educate, you keep trying to convince, and you're going to get the people that you get. It's just that the problem is the people who don't choose to follow the safety precautions, they're getting other people sick. Okay, so and like the governor of Iowa, okay, she's so, about to sign in the law, taking down the mask mandate and all the safety precautions. People are going to get sick. Okay, so and some people are going to die. I'm going to interrupt you. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, so uh, we've got two minutes left. I want to get this comment in from one of our listeners. Uh, I want to do a quick. Um, statement, and then I'm going to give everybody a chance to make the last statement so we can get out of here. Uh, from a listener, I'm going to, I'm not even going to try that name, S-I-D-D-E-R-A-P for now. Side sitter rap. I, I, I hesitate with some names that I don't recognize because people do things with names that um, can really, you know, catch you off guard if you're not uh, aware of what they're trying to say and then you realize, oh, I have said the wrong thing. Um, but they said that if they believe that the original 2 million death claim would be there if that we had not taken the measures that we had taken to uh, uh, close the uh, gap between um, the precautions that we had taken to protect against the virus. So I, I agree there um, that that you know the precautions that we have taken has helped us avoid uh, that dire projection. But I do want to keep that 
in mind that you know that, that's where we started. Um, this is where we are. Uh, so that gives us a chance to look back and say, you know, what things that we did to help make the situation better. Uh, did we do something to improve? Uh, I'm going to skip that that other thing that I I talked about, and we'll just do it on another show. Um, you guys have any last comments? Well, yeah, I, what, real quick, uh, the problem about trust and today is it has to do with uh, honesty and revelation. And what happens is we can live, say, from point A to B, say, 50 to 100 years, and we can say, we get to the end and say, hey, you know what, things, things weren't that bad. And then when the real truth comes out, what was really going on when we really get the real story we realize how we've been deceived or how ratchet things really were and the sad thing about that is most of those ratchet things don't even make it to the history books so it just kind of gets brushed to the side folks never even unless they really dig they don't understand what's been happening so you know trust i i don't know how we can really have real trust we keep doing wrong and burying it. And then when the truth comes out, it's so old, you know, what are you, you going to do? Understood. Last comments, Leonard? Yeah. Uh, on, on this thing about truth and trust, I was thinking about the story of Texas and how their energy grid is deregulated. They're the only state in the union got their own and they were ill-prepared. But they were told where they were short back in the report in 2011 and they chose to do nothing. And then to find out this week, I think it was Wednesday or Thursday, that three of the people on the board of ERCO, uh, which runs the electric grid in Texas, had to resign because they didn't even live in the state of Texas. And their governor finally said it was the company, Urco, who was supposed to run this uh, grid, was a fault, at fault for what happened. And he quit blaming uh, Alexander Ocasio-Cortez and the left. And it, it was their own doing. He quit blaming uh, the Green New Deal, which isn't even in service yet. I mean, he finally went through, it was it was the fall of Texas. And he just wouldn't tell the people the truth. He kept trying to put it on somewhere else. And he's got to take the main blame for that because he's the chief executive officer of the state of Texas. And all their leadership, you know, is from the right. And they didn't protect the people when it was time. And just as an irony, Alexander Ocasio-Cortez, a congresswoman from New York, raised $3 million for aid to go to the people of Texas when their own senator. Okay, I'm going to ask you to start wrapping up. Huh? I'm going to ask you to start wrapping up. We're way over. I'm done. Okay. So I'm okay, going I'm I'm to give a quick take on, since we're talking about building trust, I'm going to give um, as short as I can. I can be given. Um, one of the things to building trust is that you have to hold people accountable when they're untrustworthy. 
doing things by letting off the president when we it was clear that so many people realized that what he'd done was run afoul of what we expect or anticipate in our uh, society. Um, they have to be held accountable. If we're not going to hold them accountable, then there's absolutely nothing keeping them from continuing to run afoul of trust issues. I want to thank you, gentlemen, for joining me this afternoon, and we will be back next week. And thank everyone for joining us. You have a great day. That concludes this episode of Altitude Adjustment. And thank you for listening. This podcast is streamed live on YouTube and Twitch.tv and is designed for listener interaction. Visit the website, thelionsdenstl.wixsite.com forward slash home to join the discussion. The audio version of Altitude Adjustment is available where you get your podcasts, including Stitcher.com, the iTunes Store, and the Google Play Music Store, to name a few. Remember that the internet is powered by your likes, shares, and comments. So please like, share, and comment on this and other episodes of Altitude Adjustment because it matters. And as always, look out for the other guy because they may not be looking out for you.